0: With us right now Sardor Akhmedov. Sardor, you are the CRO and co-owner of Jafton. You're found on the web at That's jafton.com. That's j a f t o n.com. Sardor, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. And, and give do please do give us an overview of the work that you do and the impact
1: you have with Jafton. Sure, yes. So I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at Jafton. I drive everything revenue and um, that includes like the sales team, marketing team under me So um, currently about you know four people there in my team. Uh, but total of uh, we have in the company 120 people that you know is mainly developers and designers that we have. Uh, we've been in business for 10 years. I've been a part of the company uh, for four years as a managing partner. And um, we work with ton of clients like um, anywhere from a smaller startup to all the way to enterprise clients like Alaska Airlines um, and app development is our main focus. So anything mobile app um, is us and you might actually have one of one or two of the apps that we built on your phone. So, yeah. Let's uh, let's do some bragging because
0: you do have some pretty significant clients, and you you made the statement. All right, what are some of the uh, case studies or examples of clients that you've had the opportunity to work with? And then I'd love to maybe pick one or two of them and talk about you know what you were able to create with them.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, if we were to uh, really name drop, I mean, those would be some national names like Kroger, the you know grocery chain. Uh, we did some work for them. There's Alberts, the uh, sneakers company. There's Alaska Airlines, Airlines Company, right? Um, th- these are all like mobile apps that we worked on, on uh, either fully or partially. They do some staff augmentation with us as well, by the way, is one of our uh, top categories of service is staff augmentation, where we add in on-demand uh, designers and developers to the mm-hmm. existing tech teams right? Um, So yeah, uh, happy to talk about any of them. What excites me most is actually the the startup clients that we have because, you know, corporations is one thing. Uh, Yes, they pay uh, very well, but the uh, startup clients are very exciting because they create something new, create something that is, you know, hasn't existed before, you know, uh, like right now we're building a couple of very interesting social media or dating apps, you know, that are going to be very much disruptive to the industry Ooh, good uh, yeah. <laughs> from, yeah from
0: my on behalf of my single friends uh who are in the day who use a lot of dating apps please disrupt that industry <laughs>
1: <laughs> for sure for sure yeah it's definitely been uh, very outdated although you know very competitive space but I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there you know uh we like released um, earlier this year an app for uh, a dating app for dogs even you know like no kidding uh you know it, it's not for dog owners it's actually for dogs like themselves right so <laughs> you post a picture of your dog and match them with other dogs it's, it's a very fun app um, <laughs> <laughs> well and that's certainly one that would get some positive
0: buzz or it would get some get some good it would be easy from a pr standpoint for you sure. know that that's kind of an easy story there um Sardar, obviously, you know, this is what you do. um, And you've been in this world, Uh, you know, one thing that I really value, uh, you know, in these kinds of conversations is, you know, other business leaders, owners, um, you know, uh, you've got your ear to the track, this is this is your world. What has been going on over the past few years, and you know, what are some of the most important things that you've observed in your industry of app development that that you think are kind of notable that everyone should be aware of?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things, if you know, we were to go a little more technical, is um, the overall industry is actually shifting right now uh, from like completely custom and uh, from scratch built coding toward more like constructive and um, modular building of uh, software and apps, mainly apps. Um, What I mean by that is there's a lot of different platforms uh, for like no code and low code, and those are becoming very, very good at what they can build. Because like a couple of years ago, you couldn't really build anything advanced on a low code platform. Now you can build a lot of things on those platforms. That's one. Plus, uh, obviously, the AI has advanced our development speed and the quality because with AI, you know, there's there's this program called Copilot, which mm-hmm. basically it's it's like autocomplete on your iPhone, but for your coding and a lot more advanced, like you'll literally start coding and AI will complete your coding, like that that part of the coding for you, right? It's like your AI. Amazing. Is- yeah, and our team is using it and they say they'll never go back to traditional coding, right? So a lot of changes and that happened in the last uh, year or two, right? AI is mainly this year. Low code is mainly, you know, past two years. So a lot of different advancements. So in, in a nutshell, we have accelerated the speed to market and barrier to entry to build an app or any kind of software because it's faster and cheaper now to build those. So um, if, you know, five, six, even 10 years ago, you could only like afford to build the software if you had like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right now it's a lot more affordable. The barrier to entry is a lot lower.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know what's so exciting about this is I think that now when we look at what we can get done with budgets, I, I think that there's you know because of the the cost savings and the streamline things that we could do with no code platforms, and also again you're right, um, you know being able to get an assist <laughs> from from AI um, now you know whereas I think of you know me before you know owning a a, a SaaS company. Um, you know, there was stuff that made the budget and then there's stuff that's like, you know, that's just going to have to be a Q4 thing because we don't have the budget to do this, this and the other thing. Whereas now we might.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's a lot more affordable. A lot of things are now, you know, when you consider buy versus build, you can actually choose the build route because, you know, it's come down, you know, the the, the speed and and the cost yeah.
0: Um, what are um, you know when you you know talk or you're talking with clients? Um, what are those conversations initially like? Let's say maybe they just have some ideas on a board, but they don't have anything fleshed out. They're just like, listen, here's the concept that we want to do. What is that? What is that conversation usually like?
1: Yeah. So when people come to us at the idea stage, that's totally fine. Uh, depending on the complexity of the idea, we can take one of the two routes. Right. Uh, if the idea is very simple and we've done it many times, we pull up one of our standard scopes of work that we've created for a similar application that had a similar logic. We go over it with them on the discovery call, kind of like you know check checking boxes and saying hey, all right, do you want this? Do you want that? Right type of thing, and then we can modify certain things. So we do a quick discovery call. We give them a proposal based on the outcome of that discovery call for the next call. So like. Call number one is an intro. Call number two is a discovery scope of work call. Hmm. call. Call number three is a proposal, basically, where we give them a timeline and a cost. That's if the app is simple. If the app is very complex and it requires a lot of research and they are not sure what they want to add, what they don't want to add, we offer this new service uh, that we started offering about a, two years ago called uh, Discovery Fees, where we. It's, it's actually not just one discovery call. It's actually a multiple... Um, like up to four week process that is paid. People pay us a deposit and we allocate a whole team that is going to work with them. If necessary, do a market research or even, you know, at the very least they'll do like a technical research, feasibility research, and they will be actually um, scoping out things in a lot of details, creating a mini prototype and all that. And then only after that will we give them a proposal, right? So all depends on the complexity uh, can range anywhere from one discovery call all the way to like 10 discovery calls.
0: Yeah. Um, and where do you see, I mean, given, I mean, it's, it's like we're in that, uh, you know, kind of Moore's law cycle right now where I feel like, you know, so much is accelerated in this world. I wonder what, what's going to happen over the next couple of years. I mean, you know, I think, you know, it's almost like there's this, um excel there's an acceleration of what we could do and this is really exciting because i think again it's just going to give ultimately it's going to give consumers better experiences it's going to give ex, you know consumers um and brands the opportunity or you know whoever those consumers may be business owners or whatever but again just the opportunity you know where and how we can connect and empower our clients is very very exciting
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean, the industry is changing at the fastest pace ever. Um, I, I think with generative AI, this is going to be the biggest disruptor yet to the industry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and and we're not sleeping on it. We're building our own generative AI product that we're about to launch soon. It's going to uh, be able to build like simple websites in like less than a minute uh, with a couple clicks of a button. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that's where the industry is going. I mean, we'll all start with like some generative AI products that are kind of like fast build type of thing. We're we're still not there where a consumer can fully build software themselves without any agency or uh, an expert interference. But I feel like in the next five years, we're getting there where if AI is going to be able to sustain a conversation with a human and comprehend and understand and document and then produce from that conversation, then it's game over for a lot of businesses. Um, So it's interesting to see where we're going to get go with the next five years with that. I think it's not, uh, you know, it's not a, it's definitely a possibility that we'll think about this. Is
0: this, does this sound like science fiction to you? Uh, it is, uh, okay. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a website and these are our color schemes. This is what we want to do. Here's who our audience is. Here's some of the basic functionalities. Here's kind of the, you know, the psychographic profile, and you just start giving all this information to an AI and it starts building that for you, albeit a website or an app. Uh, You know, again, we're probably a little ways off from that, but I don't think this is inconceivable in our lifetime.
1: hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's even like in the next five years, we might definitely see that, which is going to be very disruptive, not only for the agency space, but for any business, because the moment that AI is able to sustain a human-like conversation, and then process that information and give certain commands to the computer from that, that's it. You know, it, it definitely is going to, the world's not going to be the same anymore.
0: Wow. Um. So obviously Jofton's been able to work with some really great brands uh, as an app agency. Um, how have you been able to grow and be able to work with as many clients? Like what, how did you, you know, kind of attract that growth, or you know, kind of design that growth.
1: Yep. So, a little backstory, right? Uh, we've been in business for ten years. Four years ago, I joined in, uh, you know, to grow the sales of the company and become a partner uh, in here. And uh, my goal was, you know, to to scale the company, right? Because at the time, my business partner, he had this agency, was you know about fifteen people. Um, you know, it was it was pretty like a small type of agency, right? was running, but it wasn't like, you know, it was not scaling as much because he was trying to do other businesses and different things, right? So it wasn't a focus. So in 2019, he said, Hey, why don't we focus on this business? Right. And why don't we actually grow this? Because this is actually a really good business. If we, if we focus on it, right. If we tackle certain challenges, because like, you know, consultancy is not an easy business because of the human factor. You have humans on each side, you have clients that are humans and you have the, the developers The delivery people are also humans and, you know, it's a difficult thing. But once we started focusing on this, um, I took on the uh, sales side of the business Mm -hmm. and I had knew nothing about sales. You know, I was like super green and, you know, I'm I'm still young, 25. At the time I was 21, Um, you know, haven't even finished college. I dropped out and I was just tasked with the challenge of like, hey, I need to grow this company. So for about three months, I was just sitting trying to make some cold calls, trying to do certain, you know, market research. Nothing helped. Haven't got any clients. And then I started slowly figuring out like the inbound game. So I got us to certain, you know, positioning on the web where we can be found where you're looking for the service, right? So instead of like generating demand with outbound, I started actually, you know, positioning ourselves for inbound. And I'll say in certain geographic areas in the U.S., if you're looking for app development, there's no way you cannot come across Jafton, right? I was just able to very much like penetrate the internet, certain positioning on the internet, on the web, um, you know, through SEO, through some, you know, other ways. So I positioned ourselves really well for that. And then, um, you know, it was just a matter of patience, sitting there and certain clients just come You know, even a major company, they'll go and search on the internet. You know, they're not, you know, it's as simple as that, you know. And if you're there when they're searching, if you're on these certain listings, then you're positioned for success. So that's how they found us. And then the rest was just like, you know, being able to really sell and show your relevant portfolio, get some really good results and gaining people's trust, you know, even at these big corporations, you know, you're dealing with humans and humans buy from humans, right? It's not Mm. about the logo or the fancy other things. It's all about like building that trust and connection. And I've been very aggressive with sales, you know, I I still to this day, if, if I see a big client, you know, I'll fly out to their town and I'll meet with them in person. You know, I'll do things that, that the nine out of 10 companies that are talking to will not do, you know, and that's how I stand out, Right. And that's how I was able to land some big clients, you know, um, I can literally fly in. I, uh, people are so impressed. You know, like I talked to you today in the evening. Tomorrow morning, I'm in your town and I'm grabbing lunch with you. You know.
0: Yeah, um, sort of, Well, I was wondering if I could get your advice on, you know, say that um, someone's listening and they're like, "Listen, we're we're thinking about um doing an app next year. Um, and you know, so you know, we would love to maybe kind of begin those early processes." But I think one thing that, to me, is overwhelming is, um you know, kind of picking that development partner, um, you know, because I think there's a lot of talent out there. um, And it it can be overwhelming. And certainly, it can be rife with peril. (laughs) Um, As someone who spent a lot of money on developers uh, in my lifetime, uh, you know, it's not a perfect world. Sometimes it's not a very pretty world. Um, Any kind of maybe High level recommendations and like, yeah, when you're having conversations with app developers, ask them this, do this, don't do that. If they say this, run. If they say this,
1: that's a green flag. And any exactly. any kind of things that come immediately to mind. Yeah, really good question. So one thing to be kind of aware of, even before going on this procurement journey, is keep in mind that this is a super penetrated space, super saturated space. And a lot of companies, I call them sales organizations. They're not really agencies that have their own talent. They're just sales organizations that put a ghost brand and they put some salespeople, or the owners themselves do the sales. And the moment they close a the deal, they'll just outsource to another company that they have partnerships with, right? But they don't really control the, the process. They don't have their own developers. So one of the ways to call that out is, if you're talking to a company, definitely go on their LinkedIn and check the list of employees. That's the trick I do all the time. If you see three employees, ask them how many employees they have. And if they say, hey, Mm -hmm. I have like 20 developers or 50 or 100 developers. And then you go on LinkedIn and they have three, you know, there's this owner and two sales guys, you know, Um, because that's how a lot of of brands operate. So that would be a red flag for me right away because if you deal with that kind of company, the odds are they're going to fail because they don't control the the process. If you pay them fifty thousand dollars, they're going to pay somebody in Pakistan or India twenty five thousand dollars. Keep that half to them or more, and then the actual company that's developing it is going to get a lot less. And another rule of thumb is uh, going to the second point is do not over negotiate because the less the agency is getting paid, you know, we're we're all like in business here, you know, the less motivation they have to complete your project, you know, because they have not just your project they have other projects as well right so that's the second thing because some people are like oh i'm just gonna like you know um really go hard on negotiation and and uh bring the price down and and they use different methods for that and
0: yeah you can but you know it's not like a company's gonna gonna operate at a loss they need to maintain their profit exactly exactly. Otherwise. And even if,
1: yeah, I, I, I yes, yes. You want to pay a fair price, you know, yes. Exactly. And some owners are not experienced and they'll agree to a price just to close the, the, mm. you know, expenses that they have, you know, that month. But then they're just going to regret it and they're going to resent the client and they're not going to deliver a good service. You know, I've seen those situations. Yeah. And then the 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 other one would be um, look at the, the tech stack they're using. I mean, if you're a technical, you know, if they're using some outdated tech stack, that's a red flag as well. You know, Some companies will still use like, I don't know, like some very unknown coding languages. And then what happens is if you end up transferring the code to somebody else, there's going to be problems. Like, you know, you have to pick the stack that's most common. That's why we use very common stacks like uh, Python on the, on the back end, on the front end, we use like Flutter for mobile. You know, these are like the, the green flags you know so yeah. those would be my top three that there's many more i should probably release a separate video on this but um <laughs> really look out for that uh, thing and oh if you're in the u.s try to make sure that at least the owners of the company are in the u.s and the companies has an entity in the united states because if you're going to have legal issues and it's not unheard of you're not going to be able to really go after them if they're completely offshore if the entity is offshore if you're making a contract if they don't have a us-based llc Mm -hmm. i would never go in business with that kind of company it's too risky for me i would not do that um and um yeah there's many other things on on the technical side depending on how technical you are you can do an audit of their code uh you can really ask them some technical questions on you know but for an average consumer that's trying to help trying to hire a uh a company, this those would be the, the three tips. Check if the company is, you know, actually employing their own staff.
0: Yeah. Solid. Solid tips here. Uh Jafton.com is your website. Uh, to a friend that's been listening to our conversations, like, okay, well, I I I want to talk with Sardor. <laughs> I like Sardor. I like, I've I really loved what you have to share. Um, you know, kind of what would be that next step
1: in in, in the process for someone has been listening and is
0: open to having that conversation.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, the fastest way is to give us a call at 212-499-0000. And one of our team members will respond and set up an appointment to discuss your project. Um, or you can submit a request on the, the form that we have on the website. If you click on the right top corner to get a free quote, uh, you can submit your information. We can sign an NDA, by the way. Um, you know We're very big on the, the privacy and confidentiality. So we will sign a non-disclosure with everybody so that we don't give up your ideas to anybody because that's concerning to a lot of people. And we also record all of our calls and a copy of recordings are sent to our clients. Uh, But yeah, the fastest way would be to uh, call us or if you can't call then just submit a form and you can schedule a meeting right there on the website with one of our specialists.
0: Yeah, fantastic. All right, Sardor Akhmedov, again, co-owner and CRO of Jafton, found on the web at jafton.com, J-A-F-T-O-N. Sardor, thank you so much for
1: joining us. Thanks a lot for having me, Josh.